This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Rock the red! The only sports talk show in Washington dedicated to talking Washington Capitals hockey. Hear from the players, the coaches, local and national media personalities. And call us with your questions and comments toll-free at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5. Radio 24-7. Here's your host of Caps Talk, Ben Raby. All right, welcome into another edition of Caps Talk, a Monday afternoon edition of the show and our first show of 2018. So let us be, I'm assuming by now, the last to wish you all a happy new year. We'll see if we remember how to do this after a two-week holiday break. It is Ben Raby back with you inside the D.C. studios for this afternoon's edition of Caps Talk. As we remind you that Caps Talk airs every weekday afternoon right here. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. So we've been off since just before Christmas. We can tell you it has been a nice stretch for the Capitals since the Christmas break. Since we last spoke to you on this show, the Capitals 4-0-1 since returning from their Christmas break. And the Capitals started that stretch, you may recall, feels like a while ago now, December 27th. There was a tough 1-0 shootout loss to the New York Rangers. But since then, four straight wins for the Capitals. There was a shootout victory over the Boston Bruins, a convincing 5-2 win over the New Jersey Devils on December 30th, and now most recently, Back-to-back overtime victories last Tuesday against the Carolina Hurricanes and then last night at Capital One Arena against the St. Louis Blues. Stop called by Carlson just inside the zone. And now ahead for Oshie. On the back from on a break. Back from on alone. He moves, he shoots, he scores! A goal and an assist for Nicholas Backstrom, including the OT winner as the Capitals rallied from 2-1 down against St. Louis, eventually securing the 4-3 overtime win. It was the Capitals' fourth straight win overall, their ninth in a row at Capital One Arena as the Caps improved to 26-13-3. That's a season-high 13 games above 500, And perhaps most importantly, Capitals right now starting to create a little bit of breathing room atop the Metropolitan Division. Just a little bit of separation as the Capitals are now three points clear of the second-place New Jersey Devils, four points up on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and six points clear are the Capitals of the fourth-place New York Rangers. So good on the Capitals. They continue to pile up the points. And lo and behold, they hit the midpoint of the season in a very familiar spot in sole possession of first place in the Metropolitan Division. That being said, and this isn't a bad thing, it's a common theme that we'll discuss over the course of today's show, there is a little bit of a different feel 
surrounding this year's first place team as opposed to, for example, the teams in each of the past two seasons, which eventually ran away with division titles in President's Trophy winning campaigns. There is a little bit of a different feel right now for these Capitals. And it's easy to say in these parts, oh, it's the same old Capitals. Sure enough, they're in first place since January. Wake me up when it's the postseason. I get that. We've heard that conversation in years past. But let's take a moment right now to appreciate what the Capitals are doing this regular season. Because not to suggest that the Capitals are underdogs by any means. They're not underdogs. But it is somewhat surprising this year that they are in first place in a very competitive metropolitan division. I think if you looked at the Capitals each of the previous two seasons, I think on paper they were the strongest team not only in the metropolitan division, arguably the strongest and deepest team league-wide, and it wasn't really a surprise each of the past two seasons that they were regular season division champions. This year, though, it really is a different story. Consider for a moment what was lost in the offseason with six regulars leaving via free agency, trade or the expansion draft in the case of Nate Schmidt but you lose six regulars from your lineup from a year ago and on top of that because of salary cap constraints you couldn't exactly go out and bring in high-priced veterans to fill the void so instead you're relying on bargain-priced guys like Alex Chason who came in on a PTO Devante Smith-Pelly who signed a two-way deal in the offseason So you're bringing in those two guys, and at the same time, you're integrating four rookies into the lineup this season in the form of Jacob Verana, Chandler Stevenson, Christian Juice, and Madison Bowie. And then on top of that, you have a rough stretch to begin the season. Five and six month of October, there were some blowout losses along the way. Early season injuries didn't help matters. You were without Matt Niskanen for 13 games, Andre Burakovsky was out 20 games with a fractured thumb, and you add it all up, and really, it is somewhat surprising that the Capitals are in first place. So again, it's a common theme on today's show. We'll be looking back at the first half of the season and what has contributed to the team's perch atop the division. And it's something I asked TJ Oshie about just days ago at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. What is different about this year's run atop the division, at least so far, as compared to the division winners in each of the past two seasons? I think we've done a good job getting through a couple uh, ups and downs. I think we got a lot of guys that are getting on board right now that uh, it kind of seemed that was going to be a little bit of the question on the year is how, how are these guys that are stepping into bigger roles, how are these new guys coming to the team, how are the young guys coming onto the team going to play, um, and how are they going to respond? Uh, I think it, as a team, as a whole, it wasn't that great early. And I think now you see a lot of guys stepping into these roles and doing a really good job. Um, Chaser's been on on every line, and I think he's done a great job on every line. He's on in our top PK now and doing a really good job. Stevie, I think, has jumped in and played with the confidence I think that we all know he could play with. He's so fast, so strong, really, really smart and patient, sees the ice well. Um, so he's he's a guy that can play on any line. Um, Devos came in and done, done a great job. Uh, some guys are stepping in the lineup and, and scoring a lot of goals. Our young decor has been doing a great job. Sorry, I'm going through the whole thing. But really, uh, a lot of guys have played really, really good hockey for us, and I think that's why we've had success. TJ Oshie on the Capitals' successful first half of the season. 
And again, keep in mind, it wasn't even a great start to the year. Thinking about the days leading up to Thanksgiving, mid-November around, shortly after a blowout loss to the Colorado Avalanche, it was not looking good for the Capitals. They were essentially a mediocre 500 team. They had an 11-10-1 and record, 11 wins in 22 games. But since then, the Capitals 15-3-2 in their last 20. And following yesterday's win over the St. Louis Blues, head coach Barry Trotz was asked what's changed after those early season struggles. I, I think I've, I've had this little bit of this discussion that we we sort of let the players have to heal and find their way. We had a lot of new faces in the, in the lineup, um, and we we had to get through you know the misery of how we how we finished last year. We we had high expectations I, I i said this we have expectations to to do well every year and especially the last couple of years and when we didn't meet them it, it, there was a lot of hurt and uh, um you know our expectations are are higher than some other teams because we feel that we can we can get there so um we let the players sort of heal on their own and you know we we didn't have a great start uh, which I could have predicted uh, pretty easily, um, but w- there's a, the, the one thing that we've developed I think in the last few years is a is a good culture, and that culture will allow you to battle through it, uh, find a way if you will, and and then the the guys that have been in that culture, there's a, there's a, an accountability and an expectation that that is. Try to, we try to realize it every time. Every time we step on the ice, we want to win the hockey game. Um, there's a you know we we just we want to make the playoffs. You got to get there, and then once you make the playoffs, we we have lofty goals all the time. So uh, there's other teams that if they make the playoffs, it's a good year. We we've had those higher lately. And good stuff there from head coach Barry Trotz on the Capitals' surprising surge atop the standings. And their surge atop the standings actually resulted in a nice feather in the cap for Barry Trotz as the NHL announced over the weekend that with the Capitals leading the Metropolitan Division at the halfway point of the regular season, it will be Barry Trotz serving as head coach of the Metropolitan Division at the All-Star Game later this month in Tampa Bay. Not sure exactly how much coaching goes into the three-on-three extravaganza, but... That being said, a nice honor for head coach Barry Trotz to coach the Metropolitan Division. Alex Ovechkin already named captain of the Metropolitan Division and the rest of the all-star rosters to be released later this week. And we'll have a little bit more from Barry Trotz later in the show on the all-star game invite and look forward to hearing Barry Trotz uh, on his invite to the all-star game and also Alex Ovechkin being named to the all-star team once again and a busy edition of the show again we'll look back at the first half of the season we will do so coming up a little bit later on with Isabel Kershudian of the Washington Post Alan May from NBC Sports Washington we'll also be chatting one-on-one with Capitals defenseman John Carlson we'll hear more from TJ Oshie plus a whole lot of post-game reaction following last night's overtime win over the St. Louis Blues, we'll also replay a portion of my chat post-game style with Ken Sabrin that aired last night on the Capitals Radio Network. But we begin this show with my chat earlier today 
at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex with John Walton. All right, John, we'll lead off first off by looking back at last night's game against the St. Louis Blues. Not unlike the overtime win against the Carolina Hurricanes, maybe not the most complete 60-minute effort from the Capitals. Certainly last night against St. Louis, the lulls and that second-period struggles seemed to continue, but they found a way, and the big boys led them there. Backstrom, a great game. Ovechkin, a great game. And Braden Holpe, not one of the three stars, but coming up with 31 saves, especially when it mattered most. And somehow, once again, we've been saying this for a while now, they find a way to pick up another two points. I'm not sure the coaches would agree with me when I say this, but I think one of the things that's been impressive to me is the ability to win when they're not at their best. And I just and I say they may not agree because they would look at the game last night and say, yeah, the beginning of the second period wasn't very good at all, and there's a lot of turnovers, and you know they, it's been tough putting together 60-minute efforts. But St. Louis was 20 and 0. I mean, 20-0-0. Like they had not lost in any way, shape, or form when they had a lead after two periods. It's been their biggest point of success this year and guess what they lost and that to me in a game where things aren't going very well going to the third period like how oh, you know, the home streak had to end sometime well guess what it's still going and this team hasn't lost at home since November 30th it's been remarkable I mean going back to the Ovechkin Backstrom change for the Ottawa game on November 22nd you saw hints of it maybe a little before the Minnesota game coming back off the road trip to Denver and Nashville but it is amazing that so many different guys have contributed at different times. It's not always Ovechkin, Backstrom. It's Smith Pelly. It's mm-hmm. Chason. It's Stevenson with a great look in Carolina the other night. They find ways, and that's the sign of a good team to me. And for all the hangover talk and, you know, the first half of the season now and now into the second half, it was a tough first month mentally, I'm sure, but they've shaken it off. And kudos to the guys in the room and certainly the coaching staff for being able to stick to the script, as they used to say mm-hmm. around here. And, boy, it's, uh, it's been impressive. Uh, and certainly last night against St. Louis, uh, another that's been in a pretty long string of pretty impressive performances. Referencing there almost in passing, but DSP, Chason, Stevenson, when you look at what was lost in the offseason – and what was brought in, I mean, Chason and DSP, we're talking about the, the bargain-priced purchases in the offseason. And then the reliance almost on four rookies in the lineup this year. Now with a first-place team, it's surprising. We were just talking off-air, John. I'm surprised that the Capitals are where they are at the midpoint of the season. And you figure better things are still ahead of them. When you consider what they're trying to integrate, you would figure they'll only get better. But very surprising to me that they are a pleasant surprise, that they are where they are at the midpoint of the year. 40 games to go and in first place. And if you'd asked me on November 15th, I would have said, I think the best case scenario for this team would have been just get in. Just get into a wild card spot. Get into third place. Get in where you don't have home ice necessarily, but you're in and you've got a shot. And now uh, you look at the struggles, and this is where you know you've you're around one team every day. You know everything that goes well and goes poorly with one team, and everything else you kind of glean from other people and colleagues and whatever. But you look around a little bit in the Metropolitan Division and you say, wow, remember the New York Islanders used to be good? They're terrible right now. Uh, Columbus has gone in the tank. There are plenty of teams out there that are good teams that have gone through extended bad stretches. What is remarkable about this team is even before this recent run, since you know U.S. Thanksgiving, they were still pulling points. Think of that Edmonton game when the Oilers were here in November. 
It's awful an eyesore. Game. It was awful. <laughs> but they won. And they 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 keep even when they weren't hitting on all cylinders, even when the engine was sputtering, they were still pulling points. And that is what is so hard to do. And I don't think we give this team enough credit for is pulling points every single night. And that's you and I were talking about a little bit before we turned the mic on. It's the Brooklyn game was not great uh, back on December 11th, and the game in Vegas was not great. And you were out of that game in the first period. Save that, you're pulling points everywhere else over the last few weeks, and that's why this team's in first place. That's why they're up three points on second place right now. That's why they've got a little bit of breathing room over mm-hmm. Columbus. They've got even more over the Rangers. The Rangers got off to that bad start. To me, the Rangers are almost as impressive as Washington, that they got into that hole and they dug themselves out. They've been pretty consistent ever since. The Rangers' problem is they've got a million road games coming up because they used up so many home games early to climb out the way the schedule broke for them. It's going to be tough to sustain with that schedule. But we don't give this team enough credit for getting points in difficult situations, even when they didn't have it all together yet, they still found a way. And that's why they are where they are. And honestly, right now, with 40 games to go, this team should finish in first place. I wouldn't have said that on November 15th, but I believe it now because they the way they play at home, they won 15 of 17. Uh, you keep doing that, you get any points on the road, you're going to be tough to catch. And all of a sudden, talking about breathing room, nine points clear of the playoff cutoff, if you will. And to your point, I'm pretty certain this team will make the playoffs. Yeah. I think we would have said that at the beginning of the year. But yeah, the nice. But the wasn't first. certain on November 15th. No. That's yeah. true. And now nine points clear of uh, that, that log jam for that second wild card, if you will. Uh, final couple of things. Looking ahead now to the second half of the season, the fact the Capitals are in first place, and they're doing so with Andre Burakovsky. Granted, he dealt with the injury bug. He has only three goals through the first half of the season. A guy I think we were all counting on for potentially 2025. TJ Oshie, we saw signs last night with a pair of assists, including the primary feed to Backstrom on the game winner. He has one goal in his last 15, even going back before his injury bug. What I'm getting at, Jacob Verona has been in a little bit of a scoring lull. You're going to have your ebbs and flows throughout the season, but they've reached this point in the season in first place when you're still looking for some other guys to pick up the slack on a little bit more of a consistent basis. In particular, I think Burakovsky and a little bit more consistently from T.J. Oshie. You mentioned it in the pregame a little bit yesterday, taking a different route to get to a familiar place, to be in first place as you get into the second half of the season. When one, I, I think to your point about all of that, about what you just said, is unlike last year where this team a year ago at this time was just steamrolling people five nothing five one i mean just scoring goals at will crushing teams uh, at the midseason last year uh, they're still scoring a decent amount of goals except for that little hiccup around christmas where they went almost 180 minutes without they're outside of that they're getting about four goals a game and that's the amazing part what I'm getting at is that they have room to grow. They still haven't hit their stride completely for all of the reasons you just mentioned. And the fact that they are where they are and they still have, you can look to all of those guys to give you more. Andre Burakovsky has to give more. TJ Oshie had two assists last night, but he's got to give more. He's, he's struggled since that Dallas game when he first came back. I liked him in that game. He had a good finish last night. Uh, maybe it works out that being on the third line for a while and maybe DSP hangs on the top line for a while. Maybe it's done in a game or two. Who knows? I mean, we're still seeing tweaks and we're Tom Wilson, Mr. Fix-It, get out the, the wrench and a hammer and go fix those guys. I uh, love the job that Tommy has done. 
but there's still more to give. Even he has probably more to give offensively in a name that we didn't touch on. I, I like the fact that they have gotten to this point and they haven't completely fulfilled their potential yet. I think that speaks well for the future. I think that if this team, and there's no reason to think at this point that you say, listen, the, the one team that's better than you seemingly in this conference is Tampa Bay, and you've handled them okay. You beat them pretty well, and you should have won the other one, uh, and you still pulled points in both. Uh, if that's your chief competition, do you get a D-man at the deadline? Maybe. Uh, you're not going to have a lot of room to do it, but you may, as someone who can make this decor a little deeper, you probably need something. If you do, might need the old hockey trade. You need a hockey trade, <laughs> and you know, and that may be moving something out. We haven't seen that in a while at the trade deadline, where you were moving out uh, someone who wasn't a prospect. Uh, you may move out a guy who's in the minors or a draft pick or uh, you know, you, potential, but not someone off the big league roster. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's something else. But I think you probably need a little depth on the back end. I think everything else you're probably okay with. And having said that, man, uh, I, should, it, it, I shake my head a little bit and thinking about with the same cast of characters where things were not going well in October and certainly the first half of November, a lot of guys have rode the right direction. Yes, Ovechkin has been terrific. Some of the best we've seen from him in years. Backstrom has rebounded. Uh, but it's other guys. I mean, Alex Chason chips in with something where he may not see him for five games, and all of a sudden he'll do something that turns your head and go, wow, the Boston game. Uh, two goals in a third, and, and he's the reason you win there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things to be happy about, and hopefully that continues as we go through this really weird stretch in January. And I was going to say the last thing, one name that we haven't touched on yet as far as the blue line is concerned John Carlson, we're going to find out on Wednesday if he's heading to Tampa Bay for the All-Star game. If he is not selected as a Metropolitan Division All-Star, one would think it's a circumstance where every team needs a representative and all that business because he has certainly played his way into the conversation, second among all defensemen in scoring this season, and a guy who certainly helped pick up the slack and fill the void when Matt Niskanen was out with injury and logging the big minutes and really uh, having himself a career season. I know everybody has to be represented, but if John Carlson doesn't go, it's a snub of the first order. The guy's done everything for this team, and this team's in first place. Uh, Braden Holtby and John Carlson would be the – there should be three caps there, and I think those are the guys. That's I, the thing. I think you're only getting two, right? I, that, that's, that would be tremendously unfair. I, the Islanders should only get one. The Flyers should only get one. I don't know who you take off Columbus. They may only get one, even though they're a good team. Uh, nobody's blowing the doors off offensively in Columbus this year. Uh, there may, I mean, everybody's got an argument, but if you got a guy that's long in the time he is, that's put up the points he has, the game he played in Carolina the other night uh, to log the most minutes anybody has all season, I, I would, I'd be upset on his behalf. I think he and, and Braden should go. I don't, I, you can't not take Braden. I don't think. I mean, with what he's done, uh, you know, if a Lundquist goes, I don't see anybody else in the Rangers lineup that would be overly compelling uh, as far as offense is concerned. Uh, Lundquist. That's going. the thing, right? You get Hank in and you get the Bob in, and that's your case for, okay. right? Not taking Holby. Well, I, maybe. And uh, listen, I am all for, and I, I, I'd love seeing Holtz get the recognition he deserves. Having said that, if for some reason they pick Hank and Bob and they say, yeah, we don't have room for Braden, fine. I want him rested. Like, I mean, if he, he's had such a workload, I don't think having a little time off. Uh, for a guy that you want playing till June mm-hmm. is the end of the world. And I guess you could make that argument for anybody that goes to Tampa. But uh, I think for recognition purposes, uh, Braden, 
and John both deserve to go. All right. First world problems here with the Washington Capitals, trying to determine the all-stars here as they hit the midpoint in first place. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. You bet, bud. All right, good stuff right there from John Walton looking back at some of the storylines, some of the highlights from the first half of the regular season. And again, when it comes to the all-star rosters, we know Barry Trotz will represent the Capitals behind the bench anyways at the all-star game later this month in Tampa Bay. Alex Ovechkin will be there captaining the Metropolitan Division and the rest of the Metropolitan Division all-stars to be announced coming up on Wednesday by the National Hockey League. All right, good stuff there from John. A busy edition of Caps Talk rolls along in just a moment. We'll hear from Ken Sabrin following yesterday's 4-3 overtime win for the Capitals over the St. Louis Blues. Wasn't necessarily that full 60 minutes from the Capitals. Very sluggish second period from the Caps, but they found a way to rally from a 2-1 deficit in the third period to beat St. Louis in overtime. The Capitals' fourth straight win overall. Also still to come on the show, we'll chat with Isabel Kershudian of the Washington Post, Alan May from NBC Sports Washington. Plus, we'll hear more from TJ Oshie and John Carlson, among others, inside the Capitals' dressing room as a busy Monday afternoon edition of Caps Talk continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Stop called by Carlson just inside the zone. And now ahead for Oshie. On the back from on a break. Backs from on a load. He moves, he shoots, he scores! Backstrom! Overtime game winner! Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, St. Louis! Backstrom wins it for Washington on a break up the right side. 26 wins and first place in the Metro. And today's number one star in the game from your Washington Capitals with a game-winning overtime goal. Number 19, Nicholas Backstrom. I don't know, maybe not the, the best game from us system-wise, I would say, but... Uh, at the same time, we were still in it, and uh, Holtz gave us a chance to win this anyway. And I feel like maybe the third period was our best, and we started putting pressure on them, started to manage, manage the puck, and we got chances from that. So, I mean, I, I think we can build off this. Now we're playing every other day before the break again, so just got to get going. All right, Nick Backstrom, your overtime hero tonight. The game-winning goal, 4-17 into 3-on-3 three three overtime as the Capitals earn their ninth straight win on home ice, their fourth win in a row overall. Now three points clear. New Jersey top spot in the Metropolitan Division. Ben Raby back with you in the Etihad Lounge and joined right now by Ken Sabrin. And Ken, two games in a row. The Capitals win in overtime and two games in a row. Not the full 60-minute effort. They maybe got away at stages in this one. A rough second period, but thanks to some of the big boys, Ovechkin, Oshie stepping up ultimately, Nick Backstrom as well, and Braden Holpe, Capitals able to secure the two points. Yeah, I mean, you look at you need your big boys to be your best players, and they were tonight. I mean, uh, uh, you can you start with Ovechkin getting that huge power play goal, just a rifle. I mean, poor Hutton, if that had hit him, might have killed him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he gets the goal, and, and I thought Nicholas Backstrom today was this is one of his better games he's had all year. I mean, he was flying out there, played well, always solid defensively. 
Uh, and, you know, he gets a reward, rewarded with the overtime goal. And then TJ Oshie, they've been moving him up and down the lineup. He's been in the cold streak. He gets a couple points. Doesn't score, but he gets a couple points. That's going to build the confidence. He's out there in the three-on-three, three, you know, showing a lot of confidence from the coaching staff. And uh, But the better, the best of them all was number 70. I mean, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, he kept him in there in different type of flurries where even in overtime he made some great stops or this would have been over pretty early uh, and throughout the whole game he was he did his job and he kept it close while the capitals were fluttering and you know going backwards he kept it close i thought today was an example even of what we've seen throughout the regular season ken where maybe colby it's almost slipping under the radar maybe folks take it for granted a little bit Got young blue liners this year. They've been caught scrambling a little bit more often this year in their own zone. Today, they were certainly turnover happy. Madison Bowie, again, a little careless with the puck management at times. But Holpe coming up, and he's bailing out his teammates. Faced again tonight, 30-plus shots. The volume has been there. The quality has been there. And Braden Holpe today, the latest example, bailing out his team at times. Well, yeah, and you look at him, I mean, I, and I do think, not you take it for granted, you just you just come to know that it's going to happen every night. I mean, very seldom does Braden Holpe have a bad night. Uh, and I can't remember the last time he had two in a row. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time. So, yeah, no, he's been outstanding, and he has he has made, you know, amassed a lot of mistakes, maybe the younger mistakes, and even the older guys giving giveaways. He That's what a good goaltender does. But uh, to me, you got to have that if you're going to win in this league. And uh, he's so consistent, so good. He just knows how to get in. Uh, Lane Lambert said a lot about him after the game, too. So, it's it, to me, uh, he's he's probably the MVP of this team right now. I know Ovechkin's got a lot of goals, but uh, Braden Holpe, game in, game out, comes up huge. And he picks up his 24th win today, 24-8 and eight on the year, is Braden Holpe. And in that second period in particular, I mean, fine, St. Louis takes the lead 2-1, but we just referenced it last segment during the highlights. Capitals were maybe fortunate to get out after 40 minutes, only trailing 2-1. to one. They Blues outshot the Capitals 17-6. A lot of high-quality chances. And again, the turnovers and, and some carelessness from the Capitals defensively. Uh, it was a rough second period, and, and that as well. I know we've had the conversations. tough to put the full 60 together, but a rough second period. That's been a common theme this year as well. Well, and in the rough first 10 minutes of the second yeah. period, that seems to be more of it. But, uh, you know, they, they Lane addressed it. They try to get him as, you know, the, the breaks they've had. This team likes to play every second day. They like to get in their routine. They like to keep going, you know. And that's even the coaching staff admitted they like to do it too. But when it's this is going to be a rough month. I mean, a lot of breaks, a lot of, you know, then you play a ton of games in a row, which is mm-hmm. going to be fine. But uh, it's going to be tough. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to say, you know, okay, well, we can fix this one thing, you know, and then we'll be good. But uh, for whatever reason, every team has that mental block or whatever you want to call it, that hurdle they got to get over all year. And now this last year, it was the starts. Now this year, mm-hmm. it's that first it 10 minutes of the second period. So uh, as long as they have Braden and, and Philip Grubauer back there, uh, they can bail them out. And among the other storylines today, we were keeping our eye on T.J. Oshie. Ultimately, he comes up with two assists, including the primary to Backstrom on the overtime winner. Starts the day on that top line with Ovechkin and Backstrom. By the second period, we saw him down the depth chart a little bit with Eller and Connolly. But uh, Capitals have been hoping to get a little bit more consistency out of 77. Oshie is himself. This was his eighth game back since his injury. A goal and now the two assists today, but... Capitals uh, certainly hoping for a little bit more out of Oshie on a consistent basis now moving forward. Maybe this is the start. Yeah, no, and that's all it takes is something to get you going. I mean, you, you find a way to get it, you know, and now he's got some confidence. Not only gets the points, which is great, but he was out there in key situations. You know, Barry Trotz using him, obviously liking what he's 
you saw out of him on, when he put him on the third line. They had a little chemistry together. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he's got to get going. And now the next thing is to get number 65 going. I think mm-hmm. he's the next project. I think, uh, you know, TJ is going to be fine. He'll, he's starting to get confidence, whatever it may be. But now 65 is the guy who's got to start to produce offensively. How do you think he did today? Back in the lineup after sitting out twice, drew a penalty in the first period, had some yep. opportunities. Oh, yeah, no, I thought he was fine. But he's still got to, you know, uh, he was out there in overtime too. Barry Trotz trying to boost his confidence too. He's got to call you a shift in overtime. So, uh, you know, he just, he's got all the tools. You just got to put all together. I mean, he's fast. He's got a great shot. Um, uh, you know, he can move. He can, you know, deep guys. He's got great hands. He's just got to put it all together. And I think uh, just like TJ, once he gets one or two here and feels good about himself, maybe he takes off. And nice to see Lars Eller come through with a goal as well because I thought he had himself yeah. a good game as well. That was midway through the third period, the goal. Yeah, yeah. and you look at, you know, two former St. Louis Blues yeah. team up for, you know. Uh, Oshie gets the puck over to him. He makes a nice play. And Lars, to me, I think has been playing some great hockey. He's very poised with the puck. He controls it. Uh, and, you know, to me, it's, uh, he's been very consistent, and, you know, he's going to get himself another contract. It's nice to see Matt Niskanen back in the lineup as well. It was only a one-game absence. The timing worked out okay for him. The fact that they did have that layoff, if anybody benefited from the layoff, it was number two. Yeah, no, he's able to heal what's, what's bothering him, so, you know, it's, it's good to get him back. They missed his defensive uh, steady. He's, been, he's so steady out there, and he does a lot of things that people don't realize, and they missed it in the, in the game he missed, so hopefully... You don't mind missing one, but it's when it gets more than one, that's when you start to wonder. But uh, they need him in the lineup. They need all these guys in the lineup. I mean, it's it's a hard game. No games are give me out there. And this team here, you know, three and four nights, and they still gave the Caps a run. Yeah, referencing the St. Louis Blues, a team, one of the few that still plays a little bit of that heavy brand of yes, hockey. Yes, they, they can hit. They have wheels. They, yeah. they got a little bit They're of variety big guys on and they can team. hit. And Tarasenko yeah. is certainly the skill there. We saw that again this afternoon in terms of the St. Louis Blues with Tarasenko coming up with a number of scoring opportunities. Uh, final thing here, Ken, just looking ahead, we got the Vancouver Canucks in town, and then back-to-backs against Carolina, three games and four nights coming up to end the week before the bye week. But uh, area's still looking for the Capitals to clean up here as they uh, eye the bye week, but first with three games and four nights. Well, I think it's those turnovers, those uh, those blatant turnovers you go in the high slot. I mean, there was a Tarasenko had three of them tonight. I mean, of all guys, you know, yeah. give it to somebody else, but... <laughs> Uh, I think that's the key. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. It's not a perfect game, but uh, if you can just limit those grade-A chances you're giving the other club uh, and, and try to figure out to come out for that second period a little harder. I mean, those two things, and uh, I like the way they can play. All right, good stuff there from Ken Sabrin. That was on yesterday's broadcast on the Capitals Radio Network, our chat on Caps post game, and we do that now from the Etihad Lounge on the event level at Capital One Arena, and that our conversation following yesterday's 4-3 overtime win over the St. Louis Blues. A goal and an assist for Nick Backstrom, including the overtime winner. Alex Ovechkin also with a goal and an assist. He is up to a league best, 27 goals on the season. And also as far as the assists go, looking at the career total for Alex Ovechkin, He is fast approaching another milestone. Usually associate the goal-scoring milestones with Alex Ovechkin, but he is now five assists uh, assists shy, is what he said, of 500 career NHL helpers. A chance to join Nick Backstrom as the only players in franchise history with 500 career assists with the franchise. And that among the talking points coming up next segment will be joined by Capitals beat reporter Isabel Kershutian, of the Washington Post. We'll also hear from head coach Barry Trotz on that perhaps underrated aspect of Alex Ovechkin's game, the abyss- ability to dish it out, the ability with the passing game 
from Alex Ovechkin. We'll also hear from TJ Oshie and Braden Holpe on Alex Ovechkin's impressive first half of the season. Again, a league-best 27 goals through 42 games as a busy Monday afternoon edition of Caps Talk continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Afternoon commute just got a whole lot better. This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Talking Capitals with you while you drop your gloves in traffic. Now to the right side, Ovechkin. Right circle, a shot, he scores! Ovechkin does it again! Overtime winner from the right circle! Good afternoon and good night, Carolina. Washington wins in come from behind fashion. Final score, 5-4 to four here in Raleigh. The captain buries it for another OT thriller. And there it was last Tuesday at PNC Arena in Raleigh. Alex Ovechkin completing the Capitals' comeback. He had the game-tying goal late in the third period, setting the stage for his overtime winner to seal the deal for the Capitals in a 5-4 victory over the Carolina Hurricanes last Tuesday. And for Alex Ovechkin, he continues to climb the all-time charts. That was his 100th career game-winning goal as he joined Gordie Howe as the only players in NHL history to record at least 100 career game-winning goals with one franchise. Gordie Howe with 121 game winners with the Detroit Red Wings, and now Ovechkin hitting the century mark as far as winners with one team doing so, of course, with the Capitals. And also of note, that was his NHL record 22nd career overtime goal so Alex Ovechkin just continuing to uh, set the milestones and climb up the charts in what has been a memorable first half of the 2017-18 season for the Capitals captain. As we welcome you back inside the D.C. studios, Ben Raby back with you on this Monday afternoon edition of Caps Talk. As we remind you, the Capitals back at Capital One Arena tomorrow night taking on the Vancouver Canucks. That will begin a busy stretch for the Caps. Three games in four nights. They host Vancouver tomorrow. They'll take on the Hurricanes once again on Thursday on home ice. And then Friday night, the Hurricanes again. Yeah, the Capitals and Hurricanes seen a whole lot of each other here at the start of January. But the Caps and Canes with the old-fashioned home-and-home series at the end of the week, Thursday in D.C., Friday in North Carolina. And then after that busy stretch for the Caps, they'll be off for a little bit, the annual bye week, as the Capitals uh, will have no games, no practice, do not pass go, do not collect $200. They'll have five days off completely of R&R before coming back next Thursday night with a road game against the New Jersey Devils. All right, talking about Alex Ovechkin, he is up to a league-leading 27 goals on the season, 19 of which have come at even strength. And we were talking about it earlier in the show with John Walton, talking about the Capitals' surprising perch atop the division. And we say a surprising first half of the regular season for the Capitals. Again, when you take into consideration everything they lost in the offseason, six regulars leaving via free agency trade or the expansion draft, and when you consider the early season struggles the Capitals had, they were a 500 club at mid-November, 
They were dealing with early season injuries to Matt Niskanen and Andre Burakovsky, but one of the most consistent players, if not the most consistent player for the Capitals this season, Alex Ovechkin enjoying a bounce-back season, if you will. And I put this in air quotes. He had only 33 goals in 82 games last year. 33 goals, that's great work for a lot of players. For Alex Ovechkin, it's a little bit below what we've become spoiled and accustomed to in these parts. But after scoring 33 goals last year, I was among many who figured, okay, that's going to be the new normal for Alex Ovechkin. Let's call it for what it is. This is his 13th NHL season. He's 32 years of age. He's at the start of the back nine of his career. All right, maybe between 25 and 35 goals on an annual basis. That will become the new normal for Alex Ovechkin. The years of 50 goals or 40-plus goals a season, maybe those are in the rearview mirror. Well, apparently not. He's up to 27 this year. He's on pace for an eighth career 50-goal campaign. And Ovechkin, if he keeps this up, he will be the oldest player to lead the league in goal scoring since a then 33-year-old Phil Esposito did so in the 1974-75 season. What I'm getting at, it has been more than 40 years since a player age 32 or older has led the league in goal scoring, which is something Alex Ovechkin, at least at the midpoint of the season, has put himself in position to do once again this year with his league-high 27 goals on the year. So what's the difference this year for Alex Ovechkin versus last season when he was limited to 16 goals at even strength, 33 overall in the year? I asked TJ Oshie earlier in the week in the Capitals dressing room his thoughts on a different-looking Ovechkin this year. Yeah, for sure. I think you can... You can kind of see that he has kind of that look in his eye that we saw still a lot last season for any other player, but for him maybe not as much as you normally see. And now you can see he's getting those goals again where he's moving his legs, he's going down the ice, and he's creating goals himself. So on top of playing with really good players that get him the puck in scoring areas and on top of his spot on the power play, he's now creating goals by himself, and I think that's why he's such the big uptick. You can't... His release, his shot, the way he can skate and, and move, you just it's just so hard to stop. And I think it's so hard for goalies to read um, when he plays like that. The thought with Alex Ovechkin, and for good reason, is that the power play goals will seemingly always be there, at least for the foreseeable future here. Ovechkin has led the NHL in power play goals each of the past five seasons. His one-timer from the left face-off circle, one of the most lethal weapons in the game, Let's call it for what it is. He is, for the most part, stationary when firing those one-timers. The difference this year for Ovechkin, and her TJ Oshie touch on it in that clip, is that he's using the wheels a little bit more. He's picking up speed. He's creating off the rush. He's creating in transition. He might pick up the puck in the neutral zone, for example, and use the wheels to make a move, gain the offensive zone, and then fire a shot with, again, one of the most lethal weapons in the game, that being Alex Ovechkin's shot. And Braden Holpe. Also noticing a difference in Alex Ovechkin using the wheels, creating for himself as opposed to waiting for others to create for him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's starting to skate again, which is uh, you know creating more uh, unique offense uh, than anything. Uh, it looks like he feel, feels good. Um, you know, I think he's just uh, he's adapting to the game. Yeah, I don't know what it, what it is. I think he's uh, going out there to, to create stuff instead of wait for people to create it for him. Which is uh, and just kind of relying on his shot. I think he's realizing that he he still has more than that to give, and and um, you know it's uh, it's coming. We need him. We need him to be that player. Um, you know that's his uh, his strength. There's and we need him to produce goals in order for us to, to be successful. 
And he has certainly been doing that on a consistent basis this year. The thoughts right there from Braden Holpe on Alex Ovechkin leading the Capitals in scoring 27 goals, 45 points in 42 games so far this season for Ovechkin as he now eyes a couple of other milestones up to 585 career goals, otherwise known as 15 shy of 600 for his NHL career, a chance to become just the 20th player in NHL history with 600 career goals. And the other end of the spectrum, the passing game, perhaps not always fully appreciated when it comes to Alex Ovechkin. Of course, he is shoot-first mentality, but at the same time, he's up to 495 career assists, five shy of joining Nicholas Backstrom as the only players in team history with 500 career NHL assists with the Capitals. And head coach Barry Trotz speaking days ago about that aspect of Alex Ovechkin's game and his ability to find his teammates. Yeah, you didn't. You don't appreciate it as much because it's sort of under the radar. You see the goals, you see a lot of the highlights, but um, you look at some of the goals, uh, some of the prettier goals this year that you know, maybe he didn't score. Um, you know, him and Backy and or Kuzi and that that group have been involved in a you know multiple pass, you know double seam tap in type of a goal where. Um, it takes a high level of skill and, and precision to, to pull that off. So, um, you know, sometimes Ola looks like he's going to shoot it, and he, he's got great deception. Everybody expects him to shoot it, and he'll he'll throw you know a puck to someone in a in an open area. And you know, a lot of times I, I think because you expect him to, to shoot so much, um, it does freeze the guys, the goalie included, on some of those those real good you know offensive plays where he's passing the puck. You know, in his in his DNA, he's a goal scorer. So if he gets an opportunity to shoot, he's going to shoot more than pass. And um, when you scored as many goals as he has and had the success rate that he has, you're you're going to want him to do that. But you know, he recognizes moments where there's guys open and it'd be an easier play and and uh, a sure thing, and he'll he'll get it over there. And uh, you know, you don't want him passing it too much. Uh, but but at the times he, he, he you know 500 assists in this league. Start counting how many people have 500 assists in the league over 100 years. There's not that as many as you may think, and uh, that tells a lot about his overall offensive game. All right, good stuff there from Barry Trotz on Alex Ovechkin, and when he references not too many 500 assist men in NHL history, in particular when you're looking at wingers. And for the most part, centermen are more of the distributors. But as far as wingers reaching 500 career assists, uh, you know, it's rare territory for Alex Ovechkin. In fact, uh, kudos to Isabel Krasudian for coming up with this statistic as Ovechkin a chance to become the first winger drafted since 2000 to hit 500 career assists. And keep in mind, Ovechkin's NHL career did not begin until the 05-06 campaign. So Isabel Krasudian, she wrote a quality piece in the Washington Post last week highlighting Ovechkin's pursuit of 500 career assists. And that was among the talking points earlier today at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. I chatted with Isabel looking back at the first half of the season for the Capitals and in particular the play of Alex Ovechkin. All right, Isabel, as we continue our look back at the first half of the Capitals season, you can't start a conversation about the Capitals this year without beginning with the captain, Alex Ovechkin, in the year he has had the 27 goals a league best, but also chipping in with a few apples along the way, and you wrote a piece the other day as he approaches 500 career assists, perhaps an underrated aspect of his game. What impressed me from what you wrote, the statistic you picked up, 
First winger drafted since 2000 to potentially hit 500 career assists. Really an underrated aspect of his game. What did you find in doing the research for the story and speaking to those around the team that maybe sets him apart in that, again, underrated aspect of his game? Yeah, what people kind of forget is how many assists he had, like his first six seasons in the league. You know, when a younger Ovi, when he was putting up 50 assists kind of on the regular. Um, but yeah, I think the last... I think one of the Sedins, whichever Sedin plays wing, I can't always remember, uh, who was drafted in 1999. That's the other winger who got... Um, we'll go with Daniel. Daniel, thank you. <laughs> Telling him apart facially is a little more difficult, but positionally I think we could do that. Yeah, I just couldn't remember. Um, wasn't going to fake it. So, um, But yeah, he's... You know, you, he had that game against New Jersey, obviously, where he had the three assists. Last night, it seemed like he was maybe looking for it a little bit. He passed up a couple shots. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, so, you know, because he gets so much attention, you know, from other teams, and, you know, obviously he draws a lot to him, um, sometimes he does have an opportunity if he can, you know, kind of put the puck in that tight window to pass it to someone who's open, especially on the power play where he has, like, seven assists this season. I guess eight now with mm -hmm. Connolly's goal. Um so I think that's, you know, really the. I, he's not he's not Backstrom, he's not Kuznetsov, but I think he is kind of an underrated passer in just the sense that we don't think of him in that way at all. Does he like that aspect of the game? You spoke to him about it. He always says he's paid to score goals. That's his go-to expression whenever he's approaching a goal milestone. It's my job to score goals. But the passing game, does he, as far as it being a little bit more well-rounded for him? Yeah, I mean, I just look at how excited he gets you know, whenever someone else scores too. I mean, he's just as happy as when he scores a goal. I think he just likes goals in general, no matter how you get them. As far as John Carlson is concerned, someone else we're keeping an eye on this week. We saw Alex Ovechkin already named the captain of the Metropolitan Division All-Star team. We're waiting for Wednesday for the rest of the lineup to be announced. It's possible, first time in his career, John Carlson will get the call. We were just doing the math in the media room here. There's a lot of factors to consider. Every team needs to be represented, etc. But John Carlson in a contract year, in a year when Matt Niskanen has been banged up a little bit, in a year when they're trying to replace the likes of Alsner, Shattenkirk, and Schmidt, man, oh man, has 74 stepped up in a big way in the first half this year. Yeah, he's had a great season. I think he should be on the all-star team. I think he has a really good case. Um, he's second in the league in points. <laughs> so, you know, he's – I. it impressed me, you know, the way he played, you know, 28 minutes a night, you know, when Niskanen was out. And I think when Niskanen went down early in the season, we all kind of thought, okay, this could be, like, really devastating to this team uh, just because of, you know, the lack of depth on defense after some of those losses. And, I mean, I, you know – they obviously still had their struggles, but, I mean, they don't get through that without Carlson kind of taking on the load they did and all of that. And I think he showed a lot to this team, maybe show a lot to himself, who knows. And um, so I think in, in any case, all star or not, he's certainly been one of the, I guess, MVPs for mm -hmm. this team this season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, good for him because he's going to get paid in the summer. Certainly will, the unrestricted free agent to be. Are you surprised by where they are at the first half of the season? I'll tell you that I, I am, just based on what they lost in the offseason. And when you look at the way the season started October, you're trying to integrate four rookies, fresh faces, and DSP and chase on. And yet, here we are, midway point of the season, just like in years past. There they are in that familiar perch atop the division. Yeah, I, yeah if you had told me they would 
be leading the metro at this point, I would have said I doubted it. And then, you know, I don't like I didn't really expect Pittsburgh to be where it is necessarily. I thought the Caps would make the playoffs certainly, maybe as like a you know, wild card team and I thought that might actually be good for them, but you know, this is certainly good too. It's a really competitive division. Um, and I mean, good on them for kind of being able to weather some of the early season injuries, weather the you know, off-season losses, break in some rookies. I think this is the most rookies they've had play this many games since, like, the early 80s, mm -hmm. um, according to Caps Today, which I read sometimes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I it is impressive that they've kind of been able to get it together, and I, I think they've benefited from not having quite as much pressure. I wonder if that's going to change now, mm -hmm. um, the second half of the season. I think they would certainly hope it doesn't. But, um, I mean... They're not as good of a team as they were last year, still on paper. Even still, when you watch them, I don't think that. Um, but I think they're finding their way, and um, they found kind of ways to play. And who knows, by the time the second half of the season is over, they might be a really good team. Um, so that's sort of what they were focusing on is the process. And obviously, the good standings position is a bonus. And final thing, Isabel, as we look ahead to the second half of the season, you, re you referenced the potential pressure if they remain atop the division like that and the expectations continue to grow. I'm keeping an eye as well on the, like you said, the quartet of rookies that they have. The second half of the season, as you look at towards the trade deadline, are they okay with the two rookies among the top six on the blue line? Stevenson seems to be fitting in very well since he came up in late October, but you have Verona too. I wonder about the grind of the 82-game NHL season. Four rookies in the lineup, some, certainly something worth monitoring here during the second half of the season, I think perhaps among the biggest storylines for this team down the stretch. Yeah, I think they're I think they're certainly looking at how those guys are developing and monitoring um, all of that. But I think they're okay on the forward end. Um, you know, they've done all of this without a really 100% Burakovsky, right? I, we all expected Burakovsky to have more production than he has. I was going to say first place, and he has three goals right yeah. at the halfway point of the season. And that was a guy, you know, I thought, okay, he could have like a 20-goal season, 25-goal season this year. Um, and so that's good on them for getting, you know, goal scoring elsewhere. And, you know, thank you, Alex Ovechkin. But um, so, you know, if some other guys fall into like a little rookie lulls or whatever, like I think that's maybe expected and you hope you can do something to get them out of it later, whatever the case may be. Um, I think where they may look to add, if I had to guess, based on their moves in recent years would be like a veteran defenseman. The old 6th, 7th blue liner. It would be something like that, I think. Um, Mike Weber on line one. It would be Tim Gleason, come on down. I think it would be something along those lines, honestly. Um, you know, I, th I think they're happy with the rookies, but, you know, maybe you want some playoff insurance, you know, just to feel better. And I think that is what they're going to end up doing, something along those lines. It's not going to be splashy, but it'll be something. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that as the second half gets underway in earnest this week as the homestand continues. Isabel Kershuti in Washington Post. Thank you very much, Izzy. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff there from Isabel Kershuti in Capitals Beat Reporter. With the Washington Post and final thought right there on the Capitals rookies in the lineup this season. Again, talking about Jacob Verona, Chandler Stevenson, Madison Bowie, and Christian Juice. That quartet of Capitals rookies all on pace to play north of 50 games this season. And you have to really go back to find the last time a Capitals team 
had four rookies who each skated at least 50 games in a single campaign. And you have to go back to 1981-82. Last time, Capitals had four rookies in the same season, all skate north of 50 games. And right now, Stevenson, Verana, Juice, and Bowie all on pace to eclipse 50 games sometime over the next few weeks. All right, when we come back, we're going to stick to the blue line. We're going to chat with a veteran of sorts, John Carlson, now in his eighth full NHL season. We'll chat with John Carlson on his chances for a first invite to the NHL All-Star Game. And we'll also look back on his memories eight years ago this week at the World Junior Hockey Championships. One of the biggest goals of John Carlson's life as he had the game winner in overtime leading Team USA to a gold medal. We'll chat with John Carlson as we continue also to look back at the first half of the season when this Monday afternoon edition of Caps Talk continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. It's your team. It's your show. Caps Talk by the fans for the fans. Afternoons, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 Eastern, on Washington's home for Caps hockey. Caps Radio 24-7. Here's Ben Raby. Now Backstrom behind the net. One-timer. Carlson shoots and scores! Top left corner for John Carlson. A bullet from the top of the right circle. It's a power play goal. And it's 3-1 Washington. And tonight's number one star of the game from your Washington Capitals with one goal and two assists. Number 74, John Carlson. And John Carlson among the highlights for the Capitals on their current four-game winning streak going back to December 30th. A convincing 5-2 win for the Capitals over the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena. First place in the Metropolitan Division was at stake that night. And John Carlson came up with a terrific game. You heard the announcement there. He was the first star. He had the game-winning goal. He also had a pair of assists. And that among the highlights in what overall has been a very impressive 2017-18 campaign for John Carlson, who ranks second among all defensemen in scoring this season with 33 points in 42 games this season. John Carlson's 33 points trail only John Klingsberg of the Dallas Stars as far as the scoring leaders among Blue Liners this NHL campaign. As we welcome you back inside the D.C. studios, Ben Raby back with you, hour number two of this Monday afternoon edition of Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Going to hear from John Carlson in just a moment. First off, want to reference as well, as this is our first show in 2018, our first show since before the holidays, want to highlight one of the annual traditions around this time of the year. The World Junior Hockey Championships took place this year. In Buffalo, where Team Canada secured the gold medal last Friday with a win over Sweden. So the Canadians took gold. Team USA, the host nation this year, they finished with a bronze medal after they beat the Czech Republic 9-3 last Friday in the third place game. And for Team USA, it marks three straight years. They have medaled at the World Juniors, a bronze in 2016, a gold in 2017, and then a bronze medal again this year. In 2018, and we referenced the World Junior Hockey Championships to tie it back 
to John Carlson, who eight years ago this week scored one of the biggest goals of his life. It was amateur status, but it was in the gold medal game at the 2010 World Junior Hockey Championships. The tournament that year was being played north of the border, and the championship game happened to be Team USA against Canada. The U.S. won the gold medal game 6-5 in overtime with John Carlson netting the OT winner, and that was among the talking points as I chatted with John Carlson over the weekend at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. Yeah, it was it was uh, you know my first time really playing on on that big of a stage, and it was um, it was fun to be in that moment. And we had a great team, had a great uh, time throughout the tournament. And um, Canada was hot back then. Uh, I think they would won five or six straight, so it was uh, it was a big deal for us to to win. And uh, it was nice to to be able to contribute like I did. And to do it up there, I imagine added a little something as well. Yeah, that was that was a good feeling. That was a really good feeling. I don't know uh, how really to describe it, but you know, I was playing in Canada at the time too, so um, you know, it was it was nice. I knew uh, what that meant for me personally, and I knew um, you know how much flack uh, everyone was giving me because I had so many friends that were were from up there. So. Um, I was I was happy to be a part of it. Final thing, what keepsakes do you have from that? Obviously, the medal, but either the puck or jersey or team pictures, signatures. Uh, I don't know. I, that's uh, that's all at my mom's house. Um, that stuff. Definitely, I have the medal and and the jersey for sure. But um, I don't know. What I, I think the the Hall of Fame took takes the the game winning stick uh, every year so I don't have that but um, probably pretty much everything else. Alright well that's awesome again eight years ago this weekend we'll bring it back to the present a little bit here halfway through the season you guys sit atop the Metropolitan Division familiar spot for you guys I feel like the path to there this year has been maybe different in years past maybe a little surprising based maybe on, on how the season started out how do you assess where things are the official 41 game point here? I think the they're going pretty well but um it's still early and there's there's plenty of um you know there's plenty of competition i think everyone's so close so you know being at the top maybe means a little bit less when everyone's uh, so tight in the in the in the race but um sure certainly keep us on our toes and keep battling out we're gonna feel like we're gonna play a lot of these teams a lot more times for the rest of the year so um it'll be good to to stay in it and you know keep moving i think we're we've been building on our game a lot um and we still got a long ways to go but i uh, i like the response from our team and how um how we're maturing and growing uh, together you lost a lot from last year's roster and again a sluggish start to this year what do you feel has been the key contributing factor to at least giving you at the time anyways as you said a lot left but at the time that the perch topped the division yeah, I mean, I just think we got the young guys, and, and they obviously feel a lot more comfortable. And um, the guys that are returning know what it takes to to win. And um, I just think it's it's that camaraderie, it's the the mesh between those two things. And um, when you got young guys that are so skilled, sometimes they don't always jump off the page right away, and it takes them a little bit to you know 20, 30, 40 games even to to feel confident and comfortable in in their game and 
we all know that they can they can do it and it's just a matter of them you know seeing every team in the league and um, you know seeing plays develop over and over again and you know at the their IQ and skill level you know they're going to be way better off um, in another 10 games than they were at the beginning of the season so that's that's kind of how I look at the year and I'm um, excited to see what uh, what we can do. On a couple of things just about your play the first half of the season, you can pat yourself on the back, playing a lot of minutes, and obviously the point productivity has been there. How do you assess the first 41 games when, when you've been asked to, to do some heavy lifting here so far? Um, I, yeah, I think it's been been good. It's been a decent start to the year, and um, I just think coming into the season, all, all, all the returning defensemen knew that... Um, you know, we're going to have to step it up, especially at the beginning of this season. And, um, you know, you never knew how it should shake out. But uh, I think the veterans that we, we do have when Niski went down really stepped up and um, kind of kept us afloat and even started moving in the right direction. So when, when Niski came back, we were more whole team and ready to rock. And uh, I think that carried the momentum for, uh, you know, to bring us up until this point. And final thing I want to ask, I know you have loftier goals, deep postseason run, etc., but possibility of perhaps representing this team at the All-Star game later this month, have you given thought to that, and what might that mean to you on the uh, the personal resume? Yeah, it would be great. I mean, it's, a, it's a huge honor. It would be nice to, you know, to get the chance to go, but we'll see. Uh, I'll talk about that if it happens. <laughs> All right, good stuff there from John Carlson. All right, so he's playing the modest card at the end there. I guess I shouldn't have expected anything different when I asked him what it would be like if he is selected to the All-Star team for the first time in his career. A chance of that happening when the NHL announces the rest of the Metropolitan Division All-Stars coming up on Wednesday. Again, the case for John Carlson, second among all defensemen in scoring this season, and he's been a big minutes eater as well for the Capitals, leading the team in ice time this year, playing north of 26 minutes per game. It is also a career high for John Carlson and among the league leaders when it comes to ice time in the 2017-18 campaign. All right, so we're waiting to see the status for John Carlson, if he is, in fact, invited to the All-Star game. We know Alex Ovechkin will be there. Ovechkin voted in by the fans last week. That is already confirmed. He will captain the Metropolitan Division. It is the ninth All-Star game selection for Alex Ovechkin and a nice feather in the cap for Ovechkin and something that... Uh, Barry Trotz was happy to discuss the other day at Kettler looking at the fact that Ovechkin at age 32, we referenced it earlier in the show, continues to produce now up to a league high 27 goals on the year. It's hard to be in this league to be play at a very high level and produce at a high level for a long time. I mean, that's if you're able to do that, you're usually going to the Hall of Fame, plain and simple. And I think players recognize greatness uh, you see the respect of a guy like uh, y- Yager around the league I mean uh, Yogs is probably not the, the Yager of 10 years ago um, but he's still a pretty good player and, uh, and the respect is undeniable across the league I mean uh, he gets respect from the top guys I mean Ovi gives Yogs a lot of respect because he respects what he's done uh, Backstrom's all those guys that are great players in this league that I know will give him a lot of respect and I think that's what's happening with Ovi is is that the generation recognizes that him and and, and Sid have elevated the game in their window 
and have been the faces of the NHL for uh, and their franchises for a long, long time. So that is that's undeniable, and I think that is you keep producing and you keep um, doing what you're doing at a high level, you're going to get that respect. That's what the longevity and the production, when those two things come together, that, that usually is called greatness. I was going to ask if the, how impressive the durability is. It's very open-ended, but he's you know approaching a 1,000 games potentially later this season. Players with that many miles don't usually produce or lead the league in goals as he is. No. Um, what's what's probably more amazing is, A, he's, he's scored a lot of goals and he's had great durability, so you get all the tough matchups and people play you hard. But he doesn't play a quiet game. He doesn't. He doesn't just. You know, is a skillful game. He's got obviously lots of skill. But he, when he's hunting and he's going after you, I mean, he's pounding you, and to you know not get tangled up in, and uh, as much uh, in some of those battles that, uh, that that cause some of those injuries, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I look at the hit that Kadri had on him last year. I mean, a, a lesser man would not have, not have been able to get up and and finish that game because that was a pretty, pretty big hit. Um, but he's put together pretty well. He's strong as an ox, and he's he's thick. And uh, that all that being said, he he plays a, a heavy game, and it's amazing that he is as durable as he is. Some of the thoughts right there from Barry Trotz, and regarding that durability for Alex Ovechkin, a chance later this year to surpass 1,000 career games, and also a chance very soon, in fact. That he will pass Kelly Johansson with the most games played in Capitals franchise history. Ovechkin up to 963 career games, 21 shy of establishing a new Capitals franchise record. All right, final bit of audio right here from Barry Trotz. We're talking about Ovechkin going to the All-Star game. The same can be said for Barry Trotz. Not sure exactly how much coaching goes into the All-Star game, if any at all, when it's a three-on-three extravaganza. But that being said, nice honor for Barry Trotz with the Capitals in top spot in the Metropolitan Division at the halfway point of the season. He was named head coach of the Metro Division as he will head to the All-Star game for the third time in his coaching career. Well, it's always an honor to be selected, but it's really... Let's let's get this right. Um, I'm going there to represent the Washington Capitals staff and the players. They're the ones that got it done, and I'm the one that gets to to, to go and 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 uh, represent them. And so uh, I want to thank. I really thank them because as, as as a group, they um, we started out uh, you know every year a new adventure, and this one at this point in time put us in a position to. Uh, for send me to represent them, which is uh, is great. I, I think anytime you experience the All Star Games, the the World Cups, the the Olympics, all those things, those are great experiences, and they don't come along that that often. And good stuff there from Barry Trotz, and nice write up on the Capitals' official website as well from Mike Vogel, highlighting the fact that 20 years ago Barry Trotz at that point in his career, had not coached a single game in the NHL. In the two decades since, 
He has climbed up the all-time wins list. He's up to fifth all-time in NHL head coaching victories. He's now headed to the All-Star game for the second time in three seasons. Took home the Jack Adams Award as the NHL Coach of the Year in the 2015-16 campaign. So kudos to Barry Trotz as the uh, resume continues to grow. And a nice honor there as he will head to the All-Star game. One of four coaches selected to the All-Star game this season as he joins John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Peter Laviolette of the Nashville Predators, and how about this one? Talk about Jack Adams' award as Coach of the Year. He's got to be the favorite, right, in Vegas? Gerard Gallant heading to the All-Star game to coach the Pacific Division as the Vegas Golden Knights sitting in first place in the Pacific Division. Now at the halfway point of the season, the Vegas Golden Knights 29-10-2 through 41 games, 60 points on the year. That is good enough for a seven-point cushion in the Pacific Division, the second-largest division lead entering play tonight behind only Tampa Bay's division lead in the Atlantic Division. So the Vegas Golden Knights, man, oh, man, the the early season storyline, the midpoint season storyline in the NHL as Vegas continues to get it done. Also worth noting, that home record of theirs continues to impress. A league-best 18-2-1 at home this season are the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, we referenced the midpoint of the season. It's been a common theme throughout this afternoon's show. We're looking back at some of the key storylines from a Capitals perspective through the first 40-plus games of the season. And with that being said, that was also among the talking points earlier today at the Keller Capitals Iceplex as I chatted with Alan May from NBC Sports Washington. All right, Alan, as we're now just past the official midway point of the season, 42 games in, 40 to go, I think we can agree surprising, a pleasant surprise, if you will, that they are where they are in the standings right now atop the Metropolitan Division. It's been different than in years past. It's the same spot in the division, but a different path and a little bit of a different construction in terms of how they've made it to this point at the midway point of the season. What has impressed you as far as the journey, if you will, to the top of the division? Again, somewhere they've been before, but maybe not under these circumstances. Well, I, I would definitely think that you know having four rookies in the lineup almost every single night, you have Jacob Verana, Chandler Stevenson, Christian Jews, and Madison Bowie all getting regular turns on this team. And I didn't think that would be possible at the start of the year to have this team in first place to them. And then you take two throwaway players and Alex Chason and Devontae Smith-Pelly being able to come in and play consistently well and, and improve as far as the team's new style of play is concerned. So you have such a huge turnover on the roster, six, seven guys up front, uh, all skaters and not up front but you know D and forwards combined and and you bring in all these new faces and and they're mostly younger Uh, I just think that to see all those guys assimilate into what the coaching staff wants the structure of this team and they've all been able to produce and I think play very very well as far as DSP and Chase on two of the the bargain buys if you will as far as a one-year contract 600k for Chase on and Devontae Smith-Pelly, the quote-unquote two-way deal, but 650000 for him for the one-year deal to be here. Two guys who, not unlike Brett Connolly a year ago, Alan, essentially taking advantage of an opportunity where you have to wonder coming into the year how many they have left, and they've really taken advantage of the opportunity. DSP has been you know, up and down the lineup in a positive way, a guy you could stick on different roles and chase on uh, at least uh, doing enough to stick around in the lineup as well when you could potentially have players in and out of the lineup. 
Well, when you look at both of them, I'll start with Chase on first. He, he was the hardest for me to warm up to of all the players, and I had seen him play a lot in the past and probably didn't necessarily like the consistency in his game, but to see him as a, as a full-time penalty killer and, and a full-time fourth-line right wing, I think he's adapted very well and shows how much he wants to play in the National Hockey League. Skating was an issue with him uh, coming into this season, for me at least, and I think he's done a great job of moving his legs, getting himself in position to, to make up big plays and to have seven goals on the fourth line right now I think is absolutely spectacular and then you get around to Devontae Smith-Pelly had a, I, I thought an awful first day of training camp did not look well throughout the training camp I was surprised that he started the season but uh, once again this is another player that's won me over with the way he plays and he simplified his game uh, and, and kept it simple and stayed true to himself no matter whether he's on the first second third or fourth line he's playing the same game and the results are there. To your point about DSP, I remember the second-to-last preseason game. It was the final home preseason game. They were playing New Jersey, and it was almost like the dress rehearsal, and you had Tyler Grayevac in there, and I remember DSP skating among the extras that morning, and I thought like yourself, hmm, I wonder if this guy's even going to crack the lineup, and perhaps he benefited, if you will, from Tom Wilson's four-game suspension to start the year. That at least got him into the opening night lineup, and, and he impressed in that game against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, going a little bit... Uh, around the depth chart right now, Andre Burakovsky, the fact that they are in first place here at the midpoint of the season, despite his having only three goals. Yes, he was injured and missed 20 games, but when we look at guys who could potentially step up in the second half, certainly Burakovsky on that list. But uh, let's be honest, Alan, a little bit of a head-scratcher when he has been in, still limited to the three goals. And a guy, I think, coming in, they were counting on potentially for 20 to 25. Well, this goes to show how important the training camp is for players. And he had a bad preseason, in my opinion. I don't think anyone was happy with the way he played. And it, it looked like he was only out to play a finesse game and, and thinking that he was going to be anointed that spot that vacated by uh, Marcus Johansson and, and, you know, his career high of goals. And he thought he'd slot in there with Oshie and Kuznetsov and every night would be easy and a cakewalk. But he wasn't paying attention to the details of the game. And ultimately, that's been his demise, uh, thinking that only offense was what matters. But his all-round game has really suffered this season. And, you know, hopefully the coaches can, can break him down and get through to him, that he's got to be good in every facet of the game when it comes to playing five-on-five -five hockey. Uh, it's not like that second power play unit gets any ice time, uh, which he may or may not be on when, this, when the dust settles. But he's really got to get his game going. But sometimes, you look, injuries are blessings in disguise for some other players and a blessing in disguise for Jacob Rana who was put up on that second line now has 10 goals. All right, final couple of things as far as Alex Ovechkin I gotta be honest Alan I'm surprised by the production he has had this year I know the ice time and the minutes have been up this year he's getting more opportunity but up to a league high 27 goals I thought what we saw last year the 33 I thought that would become sort of the new normal maybe between 25 and 35 for him but uh, not only the numbers, Alan, I'm impressed with the eye test, the way he's scoring the goals, using the legs. He's picking up the puck in the blue line, for example, taking it the other way in transition. He's had a few of those goals in transition, not just the stationary one-timers. And just very impressed with his game and what he continues to do now in his 13th NHL season. Well, he reminds me a lot of a, a guy like Bill Guerin. They play, play nothing alike, but as they, got, <laughs> as they get older, uh, you know, they, they had to adapt training methods and, and adapt and, and change their training methods. And Ovi did that this offseason, and I thought he came in the training camp looking spectacular off the ice, on the ice. I was like, like the way he was moving. But, you know, one of the things I was against last year was cutting his ice time. And I always believe that you've got to lean on your best players, your big-time goal scorers, and, and let them excel. And they were trying to go with this four-line thing that absolutely failed 
in the playoffs. They didn't have any production out of the third and fourth lines when Andre Burakovsky, who was the third liner last year, finally started to produce. It was he was elevated up. You know, he was actually playing, I believe, with Backstrom and Ovechkin on a broken shift, and, and he scored a goal. So you look at that, but I think coming back this year, giving Ovechkin. 20 plus minutes a game is very important to his results and I, I've never not believed in him and, and I remember a few years back the first time he had scored just 32 or 33 uh, people were starting to say it was time to get rid of him the end of that uh, Adam Oates era you know people were chopping all over him but that was just an awful style of play for this team to play but he still put up big numbers that year and uh, he had a high minus but you look it, it, it's very indicative indicative of the type of play was incorrect for this team to be playing under that regime and now you look at uh, he's excelled under Barry Trotz and he he's filling the net and I think this year shooting the puck being more creative being able to do th- different things with his skating legs uh, he's back to looking like the early Alex Ovechkin and being able to, to get all those types of goals. That's the common theme doing the rounds in the room from his teammates, the fact he is using the legs and not waiting for others to create for him, but creating some on his own. Final thing here, Alan, uh, as far as the quartet of rookies, four rookies in the lineup this year, uh, you could put rookie in air quotes a little bit for the likes of Stevenson and Verona, who've had their taste up here before, but you throw in Juice and Bowie, and the fact they do have four rookies, for the most part, regulars on this team, and they are still in first place. Uh, Certainly something noteworthy that shouldn't be taken for granted. It's a rarity in these parts that you would see up to four rookies in the lineup at the same time, but four guys who have, uh, you know, carried their own for the most part, a few growing pains along the way, but I know I'm interested in seeing how they handle themselves in the second half of the season when, as you know, uh, play certainly picks up, and it's one thing to survive a first half of an NHL season, something entirely different uh, as the games start to gain a meaning here down the stretch. Well, I think one of the big things with these kids coming into the lineup and, and through injuries is how you end up with Jews and, and Bowie getting into the lineup is that the veteran presence and, and how they've been treated. I think John Carlson's worked very well with Christian Jews, Orpic with Bowie, and, and they're bringing them along slowly, teaching them the game properly and how to play without the puck. You look at Todd Reardon's got an excellent style of coaching. I know that both of those young defensemen love them. And then you, you look at Veron, I know he's had a couple of chances, but you know not really impressive until this year. And, and Chandler Steve and finally figuring out that he's got to use his wheels and he's probably more suited to play left wing in the National Hockey League than center. But I am surprised to be able to have four rookies in the lineup and I'll say they're all rookies until you become a regular uh, in getting a jersey every single game which most of these guys are getting uh, then you then you start to become an everyday player so we're looking at them hopefully they can continue to build confidence and knowledge in the National Hockey League and, and excel as we go forward here. All right, there they were. Some of the thoughts from Alan May from NBC Sports Washington chatting with him, caught up with him earlier today at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex, looking back at some of the key storylines in the first half of the Capitals season. All right, when we come back, we will turn our attention back to yesterday's 4-3 overtime win over the St. Louis Blues. We'll hear from assistant coach Lane Lambert, Ken Sabrin's one-on-one chat with Lane Lambert following the win. Also head inside the Capitals dressing room. We'll hear from TJ Oshie, Lars Eller, Brett Connolly, Braden Holpe as well as Caps Talk continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 in the Caps mobile app. Call us at one eight five five go caps 5 We got a pretty good high-scoring offense. Um, I think we have the right coaching staff in place. Now it seems like everybody's firing on all cylinders. I, mean, I think they have a deeper team than they've ever had before. I'm thinking we're going to do real well. I'm expecting wonderful things for the Caps this year. Go, 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 go. This 
is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Now the Capitals have a great opportunity again on the power play. 12 minutes and 3 seconds to go to tie this one up. Good hustle from Bronner to draw the call. Now Ovechkin scores! Right off the faceoff! Top right corner! Ovechkin with 12 minutes to go! Ties it at 2 here in Washington! All right, there it was. Alex Ovechkin with a power play goal in yesterday's eventual 4-3 overtime win over the St. Louis Blues. Ovechkin and the Capitals wasting little time with the man advantage. Three seconds into the power play. Ovechkin completing the one-timer from John Carlson after a Nick Backstrom face-off win. So Ovechkin... With the power play tally, again, his league best 27th goal of the year. Ovechkin with a goal and an assist in the win over St. Louis. And over the course of the Capitals' four-game winning streak, four is the magic number here. Four straight wins for the Caps. Ovechkin with four goals and four assists over that four-game stretch. As we welcome you back inside the D.C. studios, Ben Raby back with you. Hour number two of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7. And the Caps mobile app, as we remind you, the Capitals back at Capital One Arena Tuesday night, taking on the Vancouver Canucks. That will be game two of a three-game homestand. Homestand wraps up Thursday night when the Carolina Hurricanes come to town for the first time this season. But going to take some time now to continue to look back at the overtime win over the St. Louis Blues. And to help us do that, we're going to hear from Ken Sabrin, his post-game one-on-one chat with Capitals assisting coach Lane Lambert. All right, Lane, well, once again, you guys find a way. It wasn't a great period up and down, a lot of motions back and forth, uh, not so great uh, start of the third period, but you find a way to put the victory on the board. Yeah, I thought, uh, I just, we didn't we didn't really like our, our second period. Certainly the start of the second period was not good and turned the puck over way too many times, gave up way too many scoring chances in that period total. So, um you know that's been something that we've we've talked about. We need to correct here going forward for sure. Um, you know our team coming off a little bit of a break. I thought we were okay and managed it pretty good in the first period, but the second period wasn't great. And then I thought the third, a little bit of a slow start, but I think that uh, you know I thought we pushed pushed it forward and we uh, created some scoring chances, no question about it. And um, you know and uh, got a couple of huge power play goals tonight. And you talk about everybody, every team, your best players have to be your best players. And tonight, you know, led by Ovechkin getting the big goal. Nicholas Backstrom, probably one of his best games he's had all year. Uh, TJ Oshie getting a couple points. But the biggest one of all, Braden Holpe, keeping them in, keeping you guys in it and a few flurries they had. Well, for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can just maybe start at the end. And that's uh, the <laughs> overtime part where they had a couple of glorious scoring chances and he really moved well laterally. Um, that's, you know, I think that's one of his strengths anyways. This is the way he can push across. And we saw that. Uh, it was very evident in overtime. But, uh, you know, he's he's continues to make good save after good save night in and night out. And the third one that got by him was pure luck. It went off Ovi in front of the net. And, you know, um, that's the way it goes sometimes. And I liked our response after that and the fact that we uh, came back for him. And you guys get the win here. You have a lot of days off. Kind of a weird month the way it's working out. Not a ton of games. And uh, the, the team likes to play every second day. They get in a groove. How hard is it to come off these four or five days? And it's only, you can only practice so much to keep your game shape. Uh, it seemed like today you're a little rusty. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you can, you can try and 
um, duplicated or whatever you want to call it in terms of uh, your practice. We scrimmaged in practice, which we don't normally do, just to kind of have guys getting the feeling of you know nine other players out on the ice kind of thing. But uh, it's always uh, it's always a challenge when you come off a break because we play so often and we get into a groove and you get into a rhythm. And even as coaches, you're you know, it feels like the Carolina game was a month ago kind of thing. And, you know, it was only three or four days ago. But you sure feel like you've you've been away for a while, at least from game action. So uh, the challenge is ours this month. Like you said, it's a tough month uh, in terms of breaks. And those are good. Uh, we can use those for sure. But, uh, you know, managing the games when we come off the breaks and being ready to play, those are going to be the key. And I, I really don't know, Kenny. I don't know that there's any way of saying, hey, uh, you know, you, you're, you're not going to get a little bit rusty when you get into those situations. But we've got to find a way to try and make it work. Well, congratulations. Another big win. Thanks, Kenny. All right, there they were, the post-game thoughts. Assistant coach Lane Lambert chatting with Ken Sabern following the overtime win against the St. Louis Blues, and a common theme in there, heard it referenced by Lane Lambert, the scheduling quirk the Capitals were dealing with last week. They played last Tuesday in Carolina and then went four days without a game, a little bit of a rarity in the NHL itinerary, but four days without a game until they returned to the ice yesterday with the win over St. Louis, which actually kicked off a busy stretch with four games in six nights. And then the Capitals will have another extended break, five days off with the annual bye week for the Capitals. So a little bit of an odd month as far as the schedule goes and something the Capitals have been vocal about over the years. They welcome the rest and relaxation. It's nice to get away for a little bit and recharge the batteries. That being said, they have found over the years, particularly this core, that they sometimes find it tough that first game back to get the legs under them. The Capitals are pretty pleased to ultimately come away with the 4-3 win in overtime yesterday, but Brett Connolly among those sharing his thoughts following the win, and he acknowledged, yeah, it was a little bit of a sluggish start uh, when the Capitals returned to the ice yesterday to face St. Louis. A little rusty, I think. Uh, you know, four days is a lot of time between games. Um, so that uh, we actually came up pretty good in the first period. Uh seemed like we kind of ran out of ran out of gas a little bit in the second and then found our legs again in the third and found a way to come back with a big goal and uh, to tie it up and kind of get the game back for us so um, it was a good response by our team we've been doing that this last month and a half we've just been finding ways to win and that's what we need to do keep more uh, keep moving forward here yeah yeah on your goal um, did you feel like Obi was kind of he took a little off of that to build he was looking for a rewrite no no way no way no I hit my stick really hard yeah so you know it's just an instinct play he uh just yeah, just a quick instinct play. I was fortunate to get my stick on it, and um, it was uh, you know good to get that one again. You guys didn't go past regulation very often the first like thirty games. Like the last nine, I think seven of them have gone to overtime or shootout. Uh, anything trend-wise going on? There? I think uh, as, as January kind of gets uh, gets here, I think teams are tightening up, and you know we're seeing a lot l- low-scoring games and. Um, you know, teams are playing a little bit more tight. Points are uh, harder to come by and more crucial. And you know, it was the same last year. I think last year, as the season went on, we weren't scoring as much. Teams were it was just very tight defensively. So um, you know, we've uh, we've managed to get some points in overtime where we're going to need to keep keep getting those in the in the extra time for us to you know keep moving forward here. Some of the post-game thoughts from Brett Connolly, who did pick up his ninth goal of the season, a power play marker in the win 
over the St. Louis Blues. Connolly uh, parked atop the crease, able to redirect a shot from Alex Ovechkin on the Capitals' first power play opportunity of the afternoon. Capitals went two for four with the man advantage in the overtime win over the St. Louis Blues. And yes, the Capitals, no strangers to overtime of late. Seven of their last nine games have been decided beyond regulation, including each of the past two, the overtime wins against Carolina and the St. Louis Blues. Brayton Holtby, a big reason the Capitals were able to come away with the two points over St. Louis. He was not recognized as one of the game's three stars. I'm not sure what exactly happened there because Holtby coming up big, 31 saves as he improved to 24-8 and eight on the year. A couple of huge saves late in the third period and then early on in overtime as well. Great A scoring opportunities for the Blues, Patrick Berglund and Braden Shen in three-on-three overtime. But Braden Holtby shutting the door and uh, helping save the Capitals a number of times as they were careless in their own end. A number of costly turnovers led to prime scoring opportunities for St. Louis. But Braden Holtby standing tall as he earned the win, win number 24 on the year for number 70. I guess four days with no hockey to kind of come straight into this one. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, obviously a little bit of rest and, and stuff, but it's uh, it's not really an excuse. It's uh, um, it's something we've wanted to get better at is, is playing on uh, a few days rest. And um, you know, some ways we did better, some ways we didn't. And um, you know, but the, the main thing is we got to win. Um, their third goal went straight down. We still don't really know what happened. Did you get a better view of how that went in and what it hit? Yeah, it hit Ovi in front and went the other way. So just, uh, you know, throw pucks to the net with traffic, things like that happen. So it's, uh, um, you know, I thought our response was pretty good from it. Oshie had kind of been hard on himself earlier in the week for maybe not scoring as much as he's been wanted to lately. Did you see kind of a determined player there in the third period when he sets up those two goals? Yeah, I mean, Oshie's always determined. I mean, some, sometimes uh, the puck doesn't go your way. The, it bounces, don't go, that happens. But um, with Oshie, you know, you're always getting an effort. You're always getting, uh, he's contributing in, in ways, um, you know, other than the score sheet if he's not getting on it. So, um, you know, he's one of those guys we don't have to worry about. Obviously, he's frustrated. He wants to be one of, um, you know, he wants to score or be effective every night. But uh, um, as a teammate, you know, he, he shows up every single night. So, you, uh, um, you know, it's kind of funny when he gets frustrated like that because he, he does so, much, so many good things on the ice that you uh, um, never have to worry about him. Braden Holpe's post-game thoughts and talking right there about TJ Oshie. Picked up a pair of assists in the overtime win against St. Louis. That said, Oshie looking for a little bit more consistency. He's been limited to just one goal in his last 15 games. And he began yesterday's game against St. Louis on the number one line with Backstrom and Ovechkin. Uh, Barry Trotz hoping to get number 77 going. So he had him riding shotgun with Ovechkin and Backstrom, but... By the midway point of the second period, uh, the lines juggled again, and he was on a third line with Connolly and Lars Eller. That being said, TJ Oshie with the primary assists on both the third goal and the fourth goal of the afternoon for the Caps. That fourth goal, of course, being Nick Backstrom's game winner in overtime. So TJ Oshie hoping it is something that can spark him moving forward. And we are going to hear from TJ Oshie and Lars Eller when the final segment of Caps Talk is coming up. As we return in a moment, this Monday afternoon edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps Mobile app.
This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Clock for Rattler, a shot, he scores! Lars Eller and a rebound coming in to the left circle. Hutton could not reset. The Tiger makes it three to Washington. And there he is, the Tiger, delivering on a Sunday while wearing red. Lars Eller, affectionately known as the Tiger, inside the Capitals dressing room and also on the Capitals radio network, picking up yesterday afternoon his sixth goal of the season, a juicy rebound from an odd angle, but he was able to beat Carter Hutton to give the Capitals a 3-2 lead over the St. Louis Blues in the eventual 4-3 win in overtime. As we welcome you back inside the D.C. studios, home stretch here of this afternoon's edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7, and the Caps mobile app. Eller's goal coming after T.J. Oshie, another former St. Louis Blue, took the initial shot and the rebound uh, found its way to Lars Eller. And T.J. Oshie speaking in the Capitals dressing room today at Kettler and was asked first off if uh, that goal, if he intentionally shot it off Carter Hutton, hoping for the rebound opportunity. The Lars Eller goal, it looked like you you took that shot trying to generate a rebound. Was that intentional to try to yeah, get well, it? Yeah, he, he moved it over to me. Um, I'm not. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not sure exactly how, but we, we turned the puck over. Um, I saw everyone swing into to that side, the puck side. Um, so I went up the other side. He he gave it to me. I saw he had a full head of steam. Um, and their D looked like he. I'm not sure who it was, but he was he was coming at me pretty quick. Um, it didn't look like I get it straight across. So uh, I figured I'd go far pad, which is kind of something you do in, when you don't really have anything else, or something you do in practice to to work on. Just getting the goalie shots, but uh, I thought it was the only way I could get it over to him. Probably one in 15 times, I think it it goes right to a guy's tape. It usually goes where you don't want it to, but it uh, it worked out, and he made a great play on the goal. Why were you guys able to find chemistry so quickly? I mean, you guys were pretty dominant in the third period. Um, I think I think Lard does a really good job at moving to space and, and getting open and demanding the puck. Um, I think Connell's got a lot of speed and he's very good at, at kind of finding those support areas. And uh, I don't know, I don't know what I was doing, but it just it ended, it ended up all clicking for us. And, and uh, we had a lot of fun in the second half of the game playing together. You know, this game's all about confidence, obviously. When you get those two primary assists, do you feel like maybe that's something that can kind of spark you a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think that can definitely help out. It's just nice to to get in the points column. But um, I've been working hard. I've been doing a lot of good stuff away from the puck, a lot of good wall battles things like that so um just you just got to stick with it i think once when you have a career um as long as mine you, you go through some point, some times where pucks don't really go on the go in the net for you you don't really get the assists you get a lot of third assists and you're part of a lot of turnovers that end up don't end up on the score sheet but uh um no it, it's been fine i've been trying not to get frustrated and just keep playing staying positive um one thing that helps um for, for me going through that stretch there where I wasn't really getting any any points was uh, we had a lot of guys that were stepping up and playing really good hockey for us. Uh, a lot of guys that were, um, I guess, making my offensive, what's the word for not production? Lack of lack of production. Uh, you didn't quite notice it as much because we had other guys stepping up. So... Um, you, you like to be the guy that steps up for, for other people, but sometimes you need a little help, and the guy's got it for me here over these last this little stretch of games. 
All right, good stuff there. Good perspective from TJ Oshie going through a little bit of a lull again, just one goal in his last 15 games. And uh, since he returned from injury last month, he's played seven games since he returned from injury and just one goal and two assists over that seven-game stretch. And the two helpers, again, coming in yesterday's overtime win over St. Louis. So we'll see if it's something he can build off of moving forward starting tomorrow when the Capitals continue their three-game homestand against the Vancouver Canucks. And final bit of post-game audio, we leave it to one of Oshie's linemates from yesterday's game against St. Louis, Lars Eller, who again came up with his sixth goal of the season. I think we... I think it was good. I think we had some some starts, uh, some starts the last couple of weeks that wasn't great. So you know that was maybe a bit of a could have been an issue. But I think we started pretty decent and uh, you know got that first goal. And uh, I, I I don't think we looked that rusty to be honest with you. Our first period was was good. Were you able to find some chemistry there with Oshie? I think so. Uh, I think we, we our cycle game was good in the zone. We scored one on, off the rush. Uh, we just had a lot of possession, um, and that's where it starts. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's just another... Uh, combination that it's you know the, good for the coach to know that you know that that can work because it's worked before and it just gives us uh, more options as a team so I think it's uh, it's just a strength for us that we have so many ways we can put this lineup together and there they were post game thoughts from Lars Eller and should reference at practice today at Kettler uh, Lars Eller was again centering that third line with Connolly and Oshie as his line mates so we'll see if that trio remains intact as the homestand continues tomorrow against Vancouver and then Thursday night against the Carolina Hurricanes. As again, the Capitals will enter play tomorrow three points clear of the New Jersey Devils for sole possession of first place in the Metropolitan Division. Well, that will do it for this afternoon's edition of the show. Our thanks to our guests, including John Walton, Isabel Kershutian of the Washington Post, Alan May from NBC Sports Washington as we took a look back at the first half of the Capitals season. We're now 42 games in, 40 remaining. See if the Capitals are able to hang on and perhaps create a little bit more separation as the division leaders in the Metropolitan. Thanks on the production side to Kyle Skonawill. It's Ben Raby here thanking you for joining us. An encore presentation of Caps Talk coming up next on Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Listening to Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24 7. Tune in every Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern to hear the players, coaches, media, and fans talk Caps, hockey, and always taking your phone calls at 1 855 Go Caps 5 on your all capitals, all the time station. Caps Radio 24 7.